Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm Marcos Lopez, your host today. I'm excited to introduce today's episode. We have a very special guest, Dr. Craig Ott. Dr. Ott is the director of the PhD in Intercultural Studies program at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He is a professor of mission and intercultural studies and a rich global chair of mission. We are so happy that Dr. Craig accepted our invitation to record an episode with us. The episode today is a conversation on missionary teachers and the task that they have in their service. Let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Providing resources and trainings for those serving outside their home division, Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Dr. Ott, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm very pleased to be with you today. Thank you very much. Now, today um, we agreed to talk about missionary teachers and the task they have in front of them. So here goes first question for you. Who is the cross-cultural missionary teacher? What do these people do? In what context are they found? Well, in today's globalized world, almost anybody who's involved with teaching at uh, any level, formal or non-formal, you're probably going to be having people from other cultures who are a, are a part of your learners. But um, I think for most of us, we are thinking about that person who has probably traveled internationally or at least gone to a group of people who are not from her or his own culture and is involved in some sort of teaching. Now, it may be formal, for example, in a school. It may be non-formal, a, a church educational program uh, or, or a community development program where you're trying to communicate uh, new methods of, of doing agriculture or something. So anytime you're really trying to teach uh, in those kind of settings, and then your students, uh, you may be an American uh, teaching in Angola, you might be a Korean teaching in China, um, you're going to be engaging people uh, who are very different from yourself. They've grown up in different educational traditions, probably. And uh, that's where the challenge begins to enter in. Thank you. Now, just to make clear, we are not talking about uh, cross-cultural trainers. It's like people, maybe like you and I and others who are helping missionaries adjust cross-culturally and so forth. Um, it's about anybody teaching in a different culture. Is that correct? That's right. And this is where the language sometimes gets a little confusing because if you pick up a book on uh, intercultural teaching, they're probably talking about trainers. So, whether I'm training a missionary how to work in another country or whether I'm training a business person to go on an international assignment. That's how that language sometimes gets used. But to be clear, we're talking about the teacher himself or herself who is actually going and teaching other people in another culture, another country. Thank you so much. Now, it's no secret when a teacher tries to teach across cultural boundaries, they he or she would meet so many challenges. And I know our listeners would empathize with, uh, with this statement. Let's, let's go through some of those challenges. And I've read your book, and we'll talk about your book uh, in just a little bit. You are talking about at least six of those challenges that 
missionary teachers experience? What are they? Okay, so um, those challenges, uh, uh, just start with the expectations. Before the teacher leaves their, their home country or culture uh, and the people that that person is going to teach, uh, because as I mentioned, you've, you've grown up with different educational traditions. And so even the very question, what is a good teacher? Is a good teacher somebody who just comes in lectures and tells you the answers? Or is a good teacher a teacher who can stimulate your own reflection so you come to your own opinions? And those are very different uh, expectations of what a teacher is supposed to do. And so it just starts right there and keeps going uh, (laughs) into the relationships between teachers and learners and uh, all the expectations that might go with that. Um, Well, then it gets into another tricky place where Unfortunately, a lot of people teaching across cultures don't realize how ineffective they actually are because um, their students may be very polite and say, oh, yes, this was uh, the best teaching I've ever had. And thank you so much for coming. And, um, and, uh, but in the reality, uh, they're scratching their heads and really wondering what was that person all about and uh, sure didn't sound like. Uh, and there's been studies on this that sort of show this disparity where, especially if it's, uh, you know, an American pastor who's gone someplace and taught for a week and comes home, oh, they hung on my every word, you know, they were so interested. And uh, then you, in, uh, one study, they went and talked to the people that were on the receiving end of the teaching and they said, well, we really didn't understand much, but uh he was, uh, we was very, his behavior was so curious. We were, and his, we were really listening hard to try and understand his English. And so, so we, the perceptions very often of how effective we are can really miss the mark. And that's a little scary for your listeners. I know they're all thinking, gosh, uh, how did they receive my teaching? <laughs> um, and, and so these challenges keep going. Of course, uh, if you're living longer term in another culture, uh, all that goes along with just cross-cultural living uh, then can begin to become a personal challenge to you, just feeling comfortable and uh, just the general uh, cross-cultural stress that you might experience and so on. So um, I don't know if I counted all five that were, were listed there, but those are the ones that just sort of really stand out. Prejudices, uh, yeah, prejudices and, and uh, preconceived notions. Uh, we all, whether we intentionally think so or not, we have an image in our mind of, gee, what are Mexicans like? What are Russians like? Uh, and and that's there. And sometimes those kind of preconceptions are totally off. And um, But we treat people as, as if they're ignorant or as if they can't think analytically or they're backward or some of these things that uh, we have these preconceived notions that, that get in the way. And of course, ethnocentrism, which is a fancy way of saying, I think my culture is really better than yours. Um, and, and we may not say that out loud, but it kind of comes through and our learners can pick up on that. So that, yeah, that's just a whole array of challenges. Thank you so much. Now, in the very beginning, you uh, said something around conflicting expectations. Now, um, teachers, they have expectations in how they should teach and how people they teach should learn, you know, some of those ways people must learn. We think they must learn. Now, of course, cultures predetermine this, um, these ways that people learn. So what are some of those most important cultural differences in how people learn that missionary teachers should know about? 
Yeah, well, that is uh, almost the the whole story of the book. (laughs) But uh, just sort of in a nutshell, um, as I touched on, for a lot of people, um, they have been taught that it is not your role as a learner to discover your own knowledge. Um, They have learned that uh, teachers are people who have been taught by people who know that knowledge is something that is passed down often from generation to generation. Um, and so for the younger uh, learner to suppose that they should be somehow critical of ideas that are taught to them, that they should arrive at their own conclusions, that's just something that just it seems very unnatural and frankly, a little arrogant to think that I as a young person would challenge the views of people who have taught these things before. Now, if you're in the American or much of the Western educational tradition, you've been taught question everything. That's how we learn. That's how we move ahead. That's how learning goes deep. Just to memorize something, well, memorization, oh, that's superficial. You have to really critically challenge ideas and come to your own opinions. Well, you can see very quickly how that idea of what it means to learn is very different and is going to create some conflict if the teacher and the learner have very different ideas uh, on that point. And that's just one point. Um, So uh, we also have to realize that in our Western tradition, people have a long tradition of literacy. And uh, we put a lot of emphasis on literacy and written documents and books and ideas that have put to paper. If you're working with people from more traditional societies where uh, they may well be able to read and write, but literacy and reading is not a central part of their everyday lives. And so, again, in our Western educational traditions, we put a lot of emphasis to read this book and compare these documents. And, uh, and so written communication is very different than oral communication. And so people who are more used to oral communication uh, often struggle a little bit if the if a lot of the instruction is dependent on written sources. So again, just another way that the way our cultures brought us up has shaped the way we approach any learning situation. Thank you. Now um, you you mentioned two things. One is um, this challenge that missionary teachers experience, where whereby they think that their students should discover knowledge and direct their knowledge. And uh, the students think they should be taught and given everything um, or vice versa. Um, and the, the second was the oral education where the way the style people learn from drama maybe or from um, a recitation or from a lecture-based versus reading-based and discussion-based and so forth. Now, could you give us a couple of examples? I know you have traveled internationally so much, and uh, have you run into situations where it was obvious that, you know, there's a mismatch, and uh, what have you made out of it? I'll give you uh, a simple example of this. Uh, I was teaching uh, in India with... uh, a lot of these people were more rural, uh, lower education and so on. And uh, we were trying to uh, develop this idea of coaching other people. And uh, we had given sort of a theoretical discussion about here's how you do it, point one, two, three. Um, uh, and then we sent them off into little groups and they were going to sort of do practice coaching of one another. <laughs> well, when, when our groups came back together again, we found out they weren't doing anything at all close to what we were suggesting that they do in their groups. 
And uh, we learned very quickly that um, it was a little too theoretical what we had presented. So uh, in later situations where we're working with similar audiences, we've, we used a role play. So um, I would be together with another person and we would actually literally sit up in front of the group and we would sort of explain, now here's what coaching would kind of look like. And we would go through sort of a session that way and they could actually observe behaviorally what that looked like. And then we could kind of tell them some, some different points or principles why we did it that way. But that was much easier for them to have a, a concrete example. They could observe. They could say, that's what it looks like. Okay, uh, I can kind of imitate that sort of. And, uh, and that worked much better with those particular learners. So that's just one example of learners who approach things in a much more concrete way versus learners who approach things in a more theoretical way. And again, for many of your listeners, probably from a more Western tradition, we often go think, well, gee, until you've told me the theory, I don't think I really understand it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all well, that, that was just one example. Whereas uh, in many other cultures, it's the other way around. I don't really understand it until I've really seen what it looks like, much more concrete. Um, well, we all learn from good examples, and I think we all learn from theories, but sometimes uh, the order in which it comes and the way in which we frame things uh, will make a big difference on how well people begin to grasp the ideas. Thank you, Dr. Ott. Now, the next question I'd like to dwell a little bit on, and but here's the question itself. When a new teacher, teacher who is new to a cross-cultural situation, when they just arrived and uh, they have so many expectations and they're looking into doing this and they're very good this, now, we're sure that it's going to be a challenging road ahead of them. Now, so what are the low-hanging fruit for them? Where should they begin so that they would avoid the worst of mistakes? So it depends a little bit on if they're going to be on a very short-term teaching uh, responsibility or a longer term. Uh, if you're only going for a week or two on sort of a short-term teaching assignment and, and many pastors and lay people or, or, or even missionaries are doing these sort of short-term where you're going to a culture you're really not familiar with for a short time. Uh, it, it's a little hard. Um, you know, you want to try and communicate as much as you can beforehand with the sponsors of the event or the school uh, to find out and just say, what are your expectations? Now, sometimes that communication is not always clear, but that's just an easy way to start. And don't assume that you know, the way you were taught or the way you would teach it at home is what they're expecting. So, so really trying to get that out in the open as much as possible. What are your expectations? Um, you know, what do your teachers, uh, materials do they use? Or what, what would the students be expecting me to, to do and so on? So that, that's pretty basic. Now, if you're going to be longer term for, you know, six months, a year, a longer term, then you've got other options. Because then once you've arrived on the location, you can begin to really talk to other teachers, find out what they're doing, what they have found effective. You can talk to students and ask them, you know, what do you, what have you found helpful? Describe for me the best teacher at this school. Um, uh, and you might be surprised at some things they say. Um, so just even talking to people, you can learn a certain amount from books. Uh, it doesn't hurt to read, uh, you know, books about people in that country or that culture, but you have to be a little careful because uh, the books are usually going to be describing in a very general sort of way, you know, what are Brazilians like? Well, <laughs> the specific people you're meeting with may not be typical Brazilians, you know, they, 
a graduate student's going to be different than a high school student. So, so the literature is, is, it doesn't hurt to alert you to potential areas of conflict or, or disconnect. But in the end of the day, um, you're going to have to really talk to people in that situation as much as possible, observe them, um, experiment a little bit, uh, and find out how students respond uh, to some methods that might not be as familiar to them. And, and on that point, I just want, might, might want to add, uh, when we talk about trying to adapt our teaching to people in other cultures, it doesn't mean that we can never do anything creative uh, or something that's different from what they've experienced before. The real issue is, will we introduce it in a way that they can appreciate it? Um, so we're not just coming in as sort of a strange person doing weird things and they don't really understand why or they just think I'm a bad teacher. Um, but again, that usually for those kinds of things, it's just going to take more time to build relationships, to do a lot of observing, talking to a lot of people. Thank you, Dr. Rod. We, we did not talk about this in advance, but let me ask you this question. How influence missionary teachers? A lot of this is, of course, online. Um, does culture play a role when, when we teach on Zoom? Because so many teachers have to teach online. What was your experience in what ways? Well, yes, uh, and you're, you're absolutely right. I, I have had to learn, like everybody else, to do teaching internationally via Zoom. And uh, there is a temptation to think, well, because it's uh, digital, because it's online, then somehow culture is not going to play a role anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is just not the case. Uh, a lot of what I've just already said is still going to apply, whether you're teaching online or not. Uh, whether Now, obviously, if you're going to do something like a role play, uh, that's going to look a little different, harder to do online. But um, those expectations aren't going to immediately change. And unfortunately, you're not going to have the relational piece that can smooth things out um, when you're physically present, even for a short-term teaching assignment, you know, you're often eating meals with your students, you're interacting informally, uh, you get a much more immediate feel for how your teaching is coming across. Well, when you do the, all of this online, those sort of informal interactions tend to disappear. Uh, it's much more difficult to read body language um, and all of this. So, the, the challenge is not less. The challenge actually goes up on some of those difficulties of bridging uh, cultural gaps there. Just recently, I was part of a class, an online class that uh, someone very known to our audience here in this podcast, would, they would know the teacher she taught this class. And you know Cheryl Doss as well, Dr. Cheryl Doss. What she did um, because of the online medium, she spent way more time with students on an individual basis. She gave them more of her teacher um, in order to be able to uh, look into their papers more and consult them on their papers a little bit more. And she had a very international audience, which was very interesting to me I was, as I was observing this. Um, so if in a classroom situation, she would just give them classroom time, here she was giving them so much more time. And she was telling me that this was, you know, this was way more investment than she expected. Now, is that um, so for her? But as you teach internationally, does uh, online teaching means investment of more time? Uh, you know, she is a fantastic teacher, and, and I, I totally resonate with, with that. And, and 
It's true. One thing we tend to overlook is how relational many people in non-Western cultures are. In the West, we tend to be very task-oriented, so let's get to the teaching, let's get to the content, and that's what my job is. And most other cultures are much more relational. They want to know who the person is that's teaching them. They want to know who their fellow students are. And in the online format, again, uh, people are physically separated, and the students may not know each other or, or not know each other well. And so one of the simple things is just spend more time at the beginning introducing each other. Who is who's in this classroom? Build that relational sense of, of camaraderie. Um, because for many people in more collectivistic cultures, it's just tough for them to learn facts and knowledge without the, the, the personal relational element. So the idea of getting more time just introducing one another, of giving more individual attention to the students, uh, these are all really important elements. Now, the challenge comes if you're teaching through a translator. That's where the, that becomes extremely difficult. And I can tell you, I don't have any really good solutions for it. Because uh, <laughs> um, uh, I do a lot of teaching through translators. I mean, you know, I, I'm fluent in German, but that's about it. So, so that's very difficult. Um, what you have to do is ask uh, your native speaker host to do a little more of that, having students introduce each other and, um, you know, then uh, you're just going to be more limited working through a translator. But that, that is an additional challenge. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Ott, recently you published a book titled Teaching and Learning Across, Culture, uh, Across Cultures, A Guide to Theory and Practice. Now, when I saw this title, I was so curious. I immediately got it and read it um, and would very much advice to every cross-cultural teacher. But now we have a chance. Could you please help us understand better how you mix or show the theory and practice in the book and what does the book cover? So when I wrote the book, um, I had a goal. I, I wanted to write a book that was substantial and that what I was writing was based in good, solid research. Um, there are some good books out there that tend to be a little more anecdotal. Um, you know, people telling, telling their story, how they did it, what they did. And often there's some good theory behind it, but the theory is not always evident. And I felt as more for people who really want to dig in deeper into this subject, I did want to have uh, solid information from good research. At the same time, research can be pretty uh, bare bones. It's not always very engaging. And what does it look like in real practice? And so I've been teaching a, a graduate level course for almost 25 years now on teaching across cultures. And I always have my students, who most of them have teaching experience in other cultures, writing case studies. What are some of their experiences? What are some of the funny stories they have? What are the tragic stories they have? Plus my own experience. And so the book has a strong theoretical foundation, but then there's lots and lots of illustrations from all over the world. And some of them are longer sidebars that tell the story a little longer. Others are just short quips. So I've really tried to blend that uh, a good, I hope, a good balance between solid uh, research and theory with real life experiences of what that looks like uh, on the ground, in the classroom, and so on. Thank you. Um, with every podcast episode here on this podcast, we try to allow 
listeners to dig deeper into the subject because in these 20-25 minutes we can only scratch the surface maybe just open the door a little bit and today cross-cultural missionary teachers they know the challenge but through this book and other publications they can dig deeper dr ott where can this book be purchased Well, almost anywhere that you can purchase books, uh, you know, in all the Amazons, we have Amazon in America, there's Amazon and my goodness, almost every country has some form of Amazon. And uh, it can be ordered in an ebook format, Kindle, if, if mailing, uh, you know, you're in a place where it's difficult to order physical uh, packages and so on. So there's an ebook format that you can order. So really almost anywhere, any of the online booksellers you, are going to have it. Excellent. We will link in the show notes. Now, as we conclude, um, let me ask you this question. Um, what was a moment in your life when you came out of a classroom or a teaching experience and you, you said to yourself, thank you, Lord, this really went well. Do you remember a moment like this that was transformational for you and your teaching? Yeah, you know, it probably the, the most rewarding is not so much walking out of the classroom. I mean, there's there's a good feeling when students, we often have students will report on what were the most important things they learned. And they said something about you taught and you said, wow, okay, that really got through. But um, it's when we go back for a follow-up teaching. So I do, for example, uh, workshops on church planting. And usually the participants are frontline church planters. And And what we often do is come back a year later, and that's where you really find out what was really taking hold and what wasn't. And the really exciting thing is when we come back to do these follow-ups, we'll almost always have those local people give their reports and their, their own little case studies. Well, here's what I did, and here's what happened. Here's how God blessed. And to go back, I'm thinking one time in Nepal, we went back and... Um, One of the guys, his name was Krishna. He was a first-generation Christian from Hinduism, and he had planted seven churches in, in the past two years, um, had taken some of the material we taught, made it his own, and they were going around to villages and so on. And it was just wonderful to see him then telling his story. And, you know, he's telling it in a way that Nepalis are going to be able to much better understand than when I tell the story. So, so being able to not only teach material and say they understood it, but see them actually implement it, and then them being able to uh, share those concepts and teach it. And, and that's, that's what really the ultimate joy is when you, when you see it really going into action and them telling others and teaching others. So, um, so that's kind of the real proof of the pudding, uh, the way I, a lot of the things that I teach, because I tend to teach more of, more of the practical sorts of, of courses like that. But yeah, so that's just, just one story that, that is a really exciting one for me. Dr. Ott, thank you so much for sharing with our audience today. And thank you for coming onto this podcast. Have a wonderful day. Very good to be with you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. If you haven't been to the IWM website recently, visit us at instituteofworldmission.org. There you will find more podcasts, webinars, and other resources to boost your mission success. From all of us at IWM, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue in His service.